Welcome to episode two of the Sportscast podcast. Today we're going to be covering the Spanish Grand Prix, looking over the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup that started this week, quick overview of the golf, review of the football, a couple of big games this week, cricket and looking forward to some of the boxing over the next few months. We'll start with Formula One, and this week we're in Barcelona, one of my more exciting tracks. We had a dramatic start to qualifying. The F2 race finished just an hour before the start of Formula One Q1, and the track was still damp in places. A flurry of drivers were all struggling on soft tyres, and Fernando Alonso binned it into the gravel, bringing out a temporary red flag. Leclerc was really struggling, and his car was only good enough for 19th. In the post-race interview, he said that the left-hand corners, he was really struggling to keep the car on the road, and also the right-hand corners weren't too great either, so it begs the question, can it only go in a straight line this weekend, Ferrari? Perez had a tricky time in Q2 also, not finding the grip and ending up in the gravel, and only posting a time good enough for 11th. Overall, after Q3, the... Final race positions for the Sunday race was, of course, Max Verstappen on pole with an absolutely blinding lap on a brand new set of soft tyres that nobody could get anywhere near. Signs in second, which was very well received by the Spanish crowd and very well received by the rest of the paddock and the rest of sort of Formula One fans around the world, I think. Norris of McLaren in third. Fantastic to get two McLarens both in the top 10 for qualifying for the race on Sunday. So the race was a really uneventful one. There was plenty of overtakes, but these were only really on the main straight, DRS enabled. There was some contact and some drama in the first first lap on the first corner, first two, three corners. Norris and Hamilton notably having a big coming together on the first corner. Lando didn't cover off the apex, opening the door for Hamilton and losing his front left end plate in the process. Really disappointed for Lando, who ended up back in 20th. Russell had a fantastic first lap, making up three places and moving up to fifth by lap 11, showing the newly found pace that Mercedes have got thanks to the return of side pods. Hamilton in third dragged a six-second deficit to Sainz by lap 15 and took him on the main straight. Maintained second position, and it was a very comfortable race for both Mercedes. Really poor weekend for Ferrari, with Leclerc out of the points and Sainz down in fifth from a second-place grid start. Aston Martins also struggled over the weekend, Stroll and Alonso finishing sixth and seventh respectively, and not really showing any convincing pace all weekend. Massive disappointment for the McLaren cars, finishing 14th and 17th, but the overall result from the Spanish Grand Prix was, of course, Max Verstappen in first position, followed by both Mercedes, Hamilton in second, and Russell in third. So what do we think? Did we enjoy the Spanish Grand Prix? I thought, like you said early doors, it, it was very uneventful for what could have been if the rain had come in late on. Yeah, the, I, if, you didn't watch, if you didn't see the pictures from Barcelona, there was a, a mightily angry black cloud around and lap 44 out of 66. it just lingered yeah. off, off, off a turn. And I thought when uh, Russell said that he felt some rain 
I got quite excited, but <laughs> turned out just to be sweat on the inside of his visor. Doesn't doesn't have the same effect. I think I didn't think George Russell sweated. He doesn't appear like the guy. No, the guy that sweats. I think for me, really pleased the Mercedes have got race pace back, and it's a shame what happened to Lando. A little bit of inexperience, although he's been there a few years. I think when he gets up to them top places, he just needs to hold his nerve a little bit. He was really, he was really shy of covering off that apex. I think he needs to be a, a lot more aggressive, not a little bit more aggressive. He needs to be a lot more aggressive, especially like you say, when he does get up into the, when he does get into, up into the, the the top six. That's really where he needs to be getting his elbows out a lot more. And maybe he was a little bit nervous, but he's been driving for years. We so. saw it last week with Ocon. Yeah, and, and Ocon's done it in the past. I believe Ocon won, I believe, France a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's just having that, I'm here and I deserve to be here, whereas I think sometimes Lando thinks he overachieves in the car and sometimes it reflects on decisions he makes yeah. within, while he's within the car. He's, he's never going to get to, I'm going to call it a big team, because I, I would put McLaren, well, this year they're, they're probably the two, one of two worst cars, to be honest with you. That um, they've really, really not brought the the 2023 car that I think everybody envisions. That being said, I mean George and Lando came in the same year. Yeah. One started at Williams, one went into McLaren, one's progressed and one hasn't. Yeah. And that probably kind of advancement in skill set probably hasn't been there from Lando. No, unfortunately not. Um, do you think this will be a turning point for Mercedes with the side pods? They, they showed fantastic race pace and they finished second and third ahead of Ferrari who are having a poor weekend granted but ahead key of the Aston Martins. Follow up question. That as well. Follow up question. Have Aston Martin taken a step backwards or has everybody else taken a step forwards? They really struggled this weekend. I think it's probably Aston going backwards. Mercedes have now overtaken them in the constructors. Yep. I don't, and it's not just been Mercedes that's in, that's improved, or you know they've brought obviously the side pods back and other upgrades last week. I think it's not so much Aston have gone backwards; they've just stayed stagnant, and other teams have done more. Yeah, and maybe the track isn't set up for them. It probably wasn't really for Red Bull I mean, with straight line speeds. Only really one long straight, but Stroll looked. Stroll gained places early doors with George, but just race pace wasn't there for yeah. them. So I don't necessarily think they've gone backwards. I just think they're not moving forward. Yeah. The last time Fernando Alonso won at Spain, actually, was 10 years ago this weekend. He won in 2013. So we'll just move on to the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA finals not a massive amount to touch on because they're only a game in each start with the NHL Stanley Cup the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Florida Panthers 5-2 in game one which to be fair I did not see that coming I thought it'd be a very close one I'll be honest it's going to be a tough one to call the Stanley Cup so very two teams who are very just they are kind of worlds apart, really. Go, um, going into it, Vegas Knights had the better season. Yeah. Uh, but then in playoffs, Panthers have had probably more going on in, in terms of 
players scoring and assisting and things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the game they've got on the 6th, which is Tuesday, so i.e. America's Monday, I feel the winner of that game might take, even though it's only going to be the second game, I feel the winner of that will probably take the cup, I'll be honest. You, you saw the first game as a bit of an anomaly and this, whoever takes the second game might carry a bit of momentum. Yeah, yeah. Um, from when these last games ended to the game the other night, it's, there's not been a massive amount of time between. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Very interesting one. Moving on to the NBA. So, Nuggets versus the Heat. Denver took the game. 104-93, which, again, did not see that coming. Jokic getting a uh, triple-double in 40 minutes of play. But I feel with the experience that Jimmy Butler's got on the heat, I just feel they're just going to bring it back on Thursday. Well, that that's one thing I've sort of picked up on. You know, the heat have got three titles, seven conference titles. They've always been there, thereabouts. This is... Denver's first time yeah. in the finals. Do you think sometimes being that first time in the final, the pressure's off? Or do you think that not having the experience to get it over the line, you know, when it's 2-2 and you're away from home and you're up and holding on to a lead, do you think not having that NBA final experience it's is a negative? Bit, no, it's a bit different with basketball because the teams change, the roster changes year in, year out. It's rare that you'll find a player like a Kobe who was at the Lakers for as long as he was and, you know, Jordan at the Bulls for as long as... You don't get that... You don't really get that anymore. Like Jimmy Butler, for example, is at the Heat, but he was in the playoffs with the Sixers in a few years ago. So that's why I feel he's got the experience because Jokic, he's, he's not really got that. They've not really got those experienced players. So we're saying that with Heat, yes, they've been there and thereabouts. They're probably not the same, same eight, nine collective that... Uh, all been there through the last five or six years they would have moved within yeah I just feel it's that one player I feel Jimmy Butler will be the person to bring it to Miami but only Thursday night can tell when they play well our Thursday America's Wednesday so yeah it's a good good finals this year I'd have preferred obviously the Sixers to be there but it's a good finals and you're saying heat yes you're saying heat yeah I think that's three for the heat Also, back end of the week, into tonight, you've got the Memorial Tournament in uh, Murfield Village Golf Club, Dublin, Ohio. On Friday night, Rory McIlroy tripling, triple bogey on the 18th, taking him from joint lead to three off the lead. Going into day four, though, he does have the joint lead, but there's 13 players within two shots of each other. So I think and the, some of the players that are in there Big name, Scottish Shuffler. I think he's probably got his work out a little bit. If he can find his putting range, I think we could see his first win on, on the tour since Dubai in January. I mean, as as of this recording, he has only just teed off. He's only on the fifth hole. So I feel he can bring it back. There's, there's, like you said, he's got to get his, put, his putting back to where it should be. And if he can do that, then yeah, I feel he can do this. I think, I think that's been where he struggled most. This week as well, uh, John Ryan coming out, Ryder Cup should consist of the best players, inclusive of the live players. 
Tom, what do you think on that? Yeah, because it's, it's, I mean, it's separate, isn't it, from the PJ and the Liv, the, the rider is completely separate, so I feel they should be able to play, it's an invitational thing, the, the captain picks who he wants, so he shouldn't be able to say, well, because you play for Liv, no, it, yeah, I don't think they should bring that level of the politics of the game into the Ryder Cup. I think as I as I watched the Netflix documentary Full Swing, I probably understood more why players went to the Live, the protection of their family, mm. the prize money. A Masters win can be two, two and a half million. A Live Tour, just a regular event, can be four million. It's It's a lot of money, and they're being paid to attend. There's no cut. You're guaranteed to pay in the PGA if, if if you get cut on day one. You know, after day two, you don't get a paycheck. So there's, you know, them fringe players are still getting paid. It's a shame for the game. I think fantastic European players that have gone to the live that probably you'd love to see at the Ryder Cup. I'm I'm maybe that little bit old school, and I want to. I want. I, I I do just want it to be a PGA. So under that basis, if you say in the whole financial gain, etc., with the way just sport in general is going, where it's massively money, 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 do you feel a lot more PGA golfers are going to go over to live? No, I think some of the people that, not necessarily saying this about against the live players, but there's more, there seems to be more of the PGA players that or, that want to play for the history of the PGA and. Let's be fair, Rory McIlroy probably earning close to $60 million a year. Whether he gets $80 million, it's not going to make a, f a massive change on his lifestyle later in life. Or do you feel these amateurs coming through are going to sort of swerve more to live, knowing there's that financial sort of staple, rather than going to the, the normal route of the PGA? If the pathway's there for them, you know, you've yeah. got the you've got the qualification series that gets you into the PGA events. Jordan touched on that last week with with sort of club pros and things that get invited down to things. If that happens so much with Live, yeah, I think you could see that pro am kind of thing and, and start to come through. But for me, I would like to just keep it around the PGA. Boxing as well this week. You've had Clarissa Shields fighting in America who beat the previously out beat Savannah Marshall in London so this is the next fight which she convincingly won on points in fairness there hasn't been a lot boxing wise go off this weekend but coming up the Smith-Eubank rematch has been postponed again unfortunately Smith's still injured I can't wait for that to go off yeah on June 10th in New York Josh Taylor's fighting Lopez Josh Taylor's undefeated, Lopez has got the one loss. I think Josh Taylor really needs to sort of kick on with his career. Yeah, he's 19-0, but I think he's, he's sort of got the household name. I think he just needs to really push on and make a big name for himself. June 16th, you've got British Fraser Clark from the Olympics fighting. That'll be interesting. He's, again, he's another one that needs to probably stay a bit more active get in and around, you know, the big names. He, he, he could probably maybe catch a, a Joe Joyce on the way down as, as he's getting a bit older. Who knows? And then July 29th, for me, is the big one, the next big one for me. 
Errol Spence, Terence Crawford. Can't split them. Can't wait for that fight. So we'll move on to the football, even though it's the end of the season, pretty much domestically for most leagues. There's been a final on Wednesday just gone, uh, Seville and Roma. Uh, Seville winning it, uh, which was an interesting game. The Roma should have had a penalty. Definitely should have had a Handball was, yeah, that's VAR, I just don't get it. Mourinho being Mourinho, you know, waiting for the referee in the car park. Not for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Throwing his medal into the crowd. Yeah. It's not the first time he's done that. He did, maybe he just doesn't like medals. I thought he didn't like silver medals, but he threw his Chelsea Premier League medal. Yeah. Well, with Chelsea, sorry, he threw that into the crowd as well. He got the FA Cup final yesterday. Man City versus Man United. Again, should not have been a penalty, but... It, it shouldn't have been a penalty. I mean, the... There's VAR, which is for questionable decisions or for to assist the referee, virtual assistant referee. Mm. Um, but there is, there is. For me, the ball was moving at such a speed; it brushed his fingertips. Did the ball, did the did the flight of the ball get impeded by his hand or his fingertips? Probably not. It may have slowed it down by a tenth of a. I, I disagree. So, you have. The, the two arguments are the natural position of Grealish's arm, yeah. which I think was a natural position. Yeah. But the ball, I believe, it sort of was going to go across but went more up, so it did change the trajectory of the ball. But I still don't think it was a penalty. No. Yeah. You've got to then argue which... Which... which Interpretation rule, of the rule. Which rule is weighted more? Is it the fact that it um, it was a natural position? Yes, it was. Or is it the fact that it did change the flight of the ball? You've got to weigh that up, and obviously the ref did give a penalty. I mean, it didn't change the outcome of the game. You know, City still won at the end of the day. Yeah. The second fastest goal at Wembley, New Wembley, by Ilkay Gundogan. What a goal it was. <sighs> I, think, I think probably, for me, one of the best FA Cup goals we've seen for a very long time. I feel that's number two in FA Cup finals. Number one is Steven Gerrard against West Ham. Yes, and with what that carried as well. Yes. Question though. Yeah. You said the second fastest goal at Wembley. Yep. What was the? Because that was the fastest FA Cup goal. What was the fastest goal? Christian Eriksen for Tottenham against uh, Man United when they scored in eleven seconds. Which was just what which was a Premier League game. What Tottenham used as that? Yeah, we used that as our stadium at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, whilst the new stadium was being built, so, but again, the fastest FA Cup final goal, which, yeah, was Men phenomenal. Mentioning Spurs, then, Benzema's leaving Real Madrid after fourteen years. Fourteen years. So, do you think Harry Kane is going to go to Real Madrid? Yeah, and fill that void. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, from a a Tottenham point of view, he's not going to win anything with us. At the end of the day, he's been there since day dot. So, yeah, he needs to go somewhere, somewhere he can guarantee some level of silverware, which Real Madrid is pretty much nailed on year in year out. Um, I mean, Benzema is going to Saudi Arabia for reported two hundred million dollars a year in wages. 
I'm not sure you'd get me out there for that one. No, not so. <laughs> but I, when, when does my flight leave? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I feel he'll go because again, from a Tottenham point of view, no sporting director, no manager. Granted, we are linked to the Celtic boss at the minute, and Postecoglou. No, yeah. Yes. So, is that going to make him enough to stay? No, no European football either. So go to Madrid B Galactico. Do you not think he would follow the rumoured Mason Mount to Old Trafford? Keep that Premier League all-time scorer record in his sights? No, because I feel he can still go to Madrid, do two years, come back and still beat that record. He's yeah. only, what, 31, 32? 29. Really? Mm-hmm. I'd be 30 in July then. So you still... Ah, right then, if he is even a little bit younger, he can still come back at 31, 32. Yeah, similar to Ronaldo. He went to Real Madrid. Juve, back to Juve, United. back to Man United. Now he's in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, yeah. For 100 majillion billion pounds per week. So there are also as well two more finals coming up in the next week. So you've got the Europa Conference League final on Wednesday, which is West Ham versus Fiorentina, which is... A very equal game. Prediction? West Ham. West Ham, hopefully. I think all in agreement on that one. I would like to see West Ham get something. Mm. Yeah. David Moyes going back, doing a stellar job, get a trophy. And then, of course, you've got the Champions League final next Saturday. Manchester City versus Inter Milan. Are they going to do the treble? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) No disrespect to Inter Milan, but City are unbelievable recently. If you look at the route City have had to get to that final as well, Bayern, Real Madrid. And let's be fair, they didn't scrape through against Real Madrid. They did. 1-1 at the Bernabeu, 4-0 at Etihad. They put them to bed. Absolutely put them to bed. So all in agreement of a Man City win. Yeah. Also saw the return of England Test Cricket this week with a little bit of a warm-up leading into the Ashes, which we'll cover in a bit more depth a bit nearer the time, but England smashing Ireland by 10 wickets. Stuart Broad back in the team, taking a five-wicket haul in the first innings, which hopefully cements his place in the Ashes team. I think you can't... You can't play Australia and not take Stuart Broad when fit. Also, Tong debuting for England, second innings, five wickets again. And Pope coming into a bit of form, hitting a 205, which for me, since the loss of Cook, I think England have struggled for runs when Stokes hasn't probably been, you know, really finding form. Stokes did wince after taking a catch. There was a bit of um and iron, but it looks like he's probably coming through. For me, we're in for a great summer with Test Cricket. I know you guys have got your views on Test Cricket and T20s and hundreds. It's it's not the most, to, to me, to you it might be brilliant, but to me it's not the most interesting form of sport. I mean, we've talked in depth about the yeah. 100 and how much we enjoy the 100. It's fast-paced, it's new and... It's brightly coloured and there's DJs and fireworks and all that kind of thing. And it might not necessarily be 
everybody's cup of tea. And I'm not about the 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 jazz and the show, but what I am about is the quick pace and and something that I can sit and I can watch in not even an afternoon, half an afternoon. Yeah, not something that's going to take three days to complete. Th- that may end up a draw. Yeah, five days. Five days. But who's counting? There we are then. <laughs> So that's us done for this week. Please subscribe or bookmark us on the platform that you're listening to us on because next week we've got a big week. We're talking about the Champions League final. We're talking about the French Open final. We'll have an update for you on the NHL and the NBA playoffs as well as a build-up to the Ashes. Catch us on all of our socials at Pod UK, and we will see you next week.